And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. What's up, Bills fans? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. I'm your host, Matthew Fairburn, filling in for my usual podcast partner, the usual host of this show, Joe Biscaglia. As you all know by now, he is taking a bit of time away to be with his family as he and his wife are awaiting the birth of their first child, which could be coming any minute here. Uh, by the time you listen to this, perhaps. Uh, so that's some exciting news um, for for our usual host here and, and for all the Bills fans that have been reading Joe for so long. Some happy news, much needed happy news this week after the Bills lost to the Jets 22-16 to on Monday Night Football in one of the more bizarre games that I have seen the Buffalo Bills play. And... As you all know, we've seen the Buffalo Bills play a lot of bizarre football games, but that one was somewhat unbelievable, to be honest. I I was stunned that the Jets were able to come back and win that football game. We're going to go through all of it. I've rewatched the game. I've kind of broken down what I think went wrong at various times for Josh Allen. You can read plenty of our work. Tim Graham wrote a column on Josh Allen after the game. I wrote some takeaways focused a little bit more on Sean McDermott at the top. And then this morning at The Athletic, I posted some takeaways after re-watching the game and diving into a little bit more detail on some of the things that happened. We're going to get I'm going to hit you with five big picture takeaways here since this is a solo show. Going to try to give it some structure that way. As for future podcasts, as we go, with that being a Monday night football game on the road with travel and everything else, we're hitting you a couple days later here. On Sunday, we'll get back on onto the usual rhythm. We're also going to mix in some live rooms as we go forward, so that'll give you a chance to ask questions in real time and maybe even jump on to the show if I dare take callers, if I I have the guts to face you guys uh, and and your takes, and your questions. But for today, we'll just go through five big things I'm thinking about uh, from that game that also will carry forward with the Bills as they get ready for their home opener against the Raiders on Sunday and and carry forward with with what is somewhat challenging month with the Raiders, a road trip to Washington, a home game against the Dolphins, and then a trip to London to play the Jaguars. It's a chance to to get things right, but with a few tough tests sprinkled in against important AFC opponents. So number one, we have to start with Josh Allen, right? And by now, I think everybody, you know, has gone round and round in their brain trying to figure out what happened to Josh Allen on Monday night. I think 
You could make an argument it was the worst game he's played since he was a rookie. Uh, He also had four turnovers against the Jets in the season opener in 2019. That was a game that the Bills won. Uh, But within the context of who Josh Allen has become, the type of quarterback and his standing in the league, this was this that made it worse than what he did in 2019 or what he did in 2018 as a rookie. The fact that he looked like that quarterback again after so much progress was tough for Bills fans to watch, I'm sure. The interceptions are a problem. This is a guy who has turned the football over a lot over the last five years, and it is becoming part of who he is. There's bad habits in his game. There are extreme highs, and on Monday night, we saw the extreme lows. What I would argue is probably worst-case scenario, Josh Allen. And still, the Bills almost won this game, probably should have won this game, even with those four turnovers. There's a few pieces to the turnovers and how Josh Allen played that I'm thinking about going forward because you can have a bad game and Josh Allen could come out and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns against the Raiders. And I don't think a lot of people would be surprised. But the way he played in that game and the way things unfolded after the game, I think the the biggest concern I have is lingering confidence problems for Josh Allen or whether it's confidence or being too much in his head or overthinking things. He didn't have the same swagger that he normally does. And I know a lot of the offseason was spent wondering, you know, if the coaches were going to really drill into him that he shouldn't be running the ball so much that he shouldn't be putting his body on the line the way that he does. And He didn't run the ball a lot, but when he did, and I went through the game and saw four or five scrambles where he was taking hits when there were opportunities to either slide. In one case, there was an opportunity to step out of bounds and he lowered his shoulder, at which point Sean McDermott told him, you know, hey, be smart. Then not long after that, he's seven yards away from the first down marker and he's trying to hurdle over three jet defenders and taking a big hit in the process. So it's it's becoming clear that it's difficult to drill into Josh Allen. You know, it's hard in the heat of a game to instinctually go down when it's in your nature to want to initiate contact. It almost seems to fire Josh Allen up, and we've seen in the past some of those plays get him into a space where he becomes the quarterback that we've all seen as one of the best in the league. So. There's that element of this that is going to be a work in progress, getting him to realize that he can slide, that he doesn't need to take these big hits and take unnecessary risk. The other piece, though, is within the pocket, because let's remember when Josh Allen has gotten hurt in his career, it's happened in the pocket. And a lot of quarterback injuries do happen in the pocket when you're standing still and trying to to make a throw and you're in a more vulnerable position at times than when you're a runner and you're ready for the contact. And Josh Allen clearly understands how to get hit, how to absorb contact, how to dish out some of that contact on his own. The offensive line naturally is going to be a topic of conversation here because five sacks, nine hits 
a lot of pressure. The Jets front is really good and showed that, I think, on on Monday night once again, that they're one of the best in football. But Josh Allen had an average of 2.7 seconds to throw, which is his career average is 2.82 seconds to throw from snap to throw. That wasn't super unusual for him. The Jets didn't blitz him more often. It was about 22% blitz, according to Pro Football Focus. Career average defenses usually blitz Josh Allen about 25% of the time last season, 24-ish percent of the time the season before. So somewhat predictable game plan, somewhat typical night in terms of getting rid of the football. But what I saw when I rewatched the game was too many instances where Josh Allen was dropping his eyes too quick. He's dropping his eyes and he's looking for a running lane. And that defensive front is too talented. The lanes close up too quick and he's getting brought down for a sack or taking a hit that he doesn't need to take. And don't get me wrong. We're going to get to the offensive line next and who played well, who didn't up front. But I do think it's important for Josh Allen to take some ownership. Pressure can be a quarterback stat. And I think he was responsible for some of the pressure. You can get the ball out quickly when there's an open receiver. You can, you know, buy time with your legs. There's times where Josh Allen makes the offensive line look really good and helps them out in that way. But I didn't see that from him. He didn't seem to be either trusting the protection, trusting his receivers to get open, or trusting what he was seeing from the Jets in coverage. And I think the receivers piece is important because the Jets are a really good defense and there weren't a lot of receivers running open for the Bills on Monday night. And so Josh Allen's not really sitting there confident that he's got a guy or he's worried, you know, especially as the turnover started to happen, that's probably creeping into his head as well. And he's overthinking things and it it becomes a really tough, really tough to get yourself back on track when that's happening. Stefan Diggs was really the only guy that it felt like Josh Allen had immediate trust with 10 catches, 102 yards and a touchdown, a very typical Stefan Diggs day. That connection was in sync, but the rest of the offense, they were getting themselves behind the sticks, putting the Jets in prime pass rushing opportunities. And the result was a whole bunch of factors working against Josh Allen and him not doing a whole lot to help himself or the offense. The interceptions, I mean, the first one, he had plenty of room to run and potentially attempt uh, beating, you know, the only defender between him and the first down marker. Instead, he threw it way downfield, way off target. uh, And it was an easy interception for Jordan Whitehead. The next, he was under pressure, again, threw deep into double coverage, this time for Stephon Diggs and off target. Diggs didn't even have a shot. And then he threw one into coverage on Gabriel Davis. You could argue that the coverage or that the route wasn't perfect and it allowed Jordan Whitehead to jump the play, but it was still a risky throw and still probably not the play that Allen should have been making. And then he had the fumble, which was careless, lack of focus. And at that stage in the game, having already turned the ball over like that, very frustrating to watch and I'm sure frustrating for Bills fans to see him put the ball on the turf like that at such a pivotal moment of the game. So a ton for Josh Allen to correct, no doubt. He took it on the chin, as he always does. He came out, 
in his press conference and said that, you know, the game was on him. But one interesting aspect of that that I do want to point out is, you know, we're in the locker room and we see Josh Allen, you know, get done with his press conference and he's sitting there in uniform kind of with the thousand yard stare. And then, you know, he's he's sitting there with the towel over his head, staring at the floor. This was as hard as I've seen him take something like this. He He's a competitive, competitive guy, and he takes these things really hard at times. But this is a short week, and he he needs to be able to flush this, especially as the leader of the team, and especially at, like, they can't afford for his confidence to be shaken in any way. And it's hard as a quarterback in the NFL to not have your confidence shaken at time. It's why you need your your quarterback to be the most confident guy in the building, to be that that alpha leader type. And and Allen is that guy. So this is a challenge for him. I think this is probably, like I said, when you factor in all of the 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 variables, the the idea that he is now on a pedestal as one of the best quarterbacks in football. He is a highly marketable uh, NFL player. He's on the cover of Madden. He is a superstar, and he has a game like this. I think it's probably a lot harder for him to process that than when he was a rookie or a second-year player, and these things were natural, right? Like, you're going to have growing pains. It's expected. But when you're on Monday Night Football and that happens to you, it's a real test. So... We'll see how he does. I, look, there's no reason to think he won't bounce back. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football, and he's an extremely confident and competitive person. But I don't want to understate the challenge it is to turn the page from something like that because uh, it's w- something that the best quarterbacks are able to do. And But that does not make it easy, especially when we saw the way he was after that game. This could just be a case of the Jets having his number, right? The Jets being a defense that are one of the you know, top groups in the league. Clearly, they've given him problems over the last few years. But I think there is you know, something between the ears that Josh Allen needs to figure out between now and when the, when the Bills play on Sunday. So that's my Josh Allen spiel. Those are my thoughts on, on where he's at and, and what he needs to do going forward. My concern level for Josh Allen, I would say, is medium at best. Like, I, I still think this guy is going to be the reason the Bills win way more often than not. And on Monday night, he was the sole reason they lost. I think that's going to be rare going forward. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
Let's get into the offensive line for takeaway number two here. I'll go through each guy because I think it's easy when you see the quarterback get hit nine times to worry about the offensive line. The offensive line has been a point of conversation all offseason, right? They brought in new starting guards in Connor McGovern and Osiris Torrance, the rookie. They have Spencer Brown coming back for his third year. The team showed some faith in Spencer Brown to make him a starter and not replace him. Give him that third year to, to see what he can become in the NFL. I would say the offensive line was a mixed bag at best. The Bills obviously weren't able to run the ball very well. If you take out Josh Allen's running, they were fewer than four yards per carry. So running the ball against the Jets wasn't much of an option. Is that you know a running back problem? Is it a, a Ken Dorsey problem? Is it an offensive line? Uh, the offensive line has to bear some responsibility. Uh, regardless of of what you think of the other factors in the running game. So there's that part of it. Spencer Brown was not good in this game. I believe Pro Football Focus credited him for four pressures. Uh, two of the sacks appeared to be uh, his fault. Uh, one of the hits as well. He was getting overpowered, pushed back into the quarterback, and it's going to be a problem. Uh, you know, there were Jets players after the game saying that they knew he couldn't handle one-on-one assignments for extended periods of the game. They knew he was going to get extra help and they knew that was going to be, you know, an area of the offensive line that they could exploit because look, the other side of this is that Deion Dawkins was terrific at left tackle for most of the night. I don't, you know, I think he was probably the Bills' best offensive lineman. I thought Osiris Torrance was really solid, uh, credited with three pressures allowed, I believe, but he was also playing next to Spencer Brown. And so, you know, there's an element there. In terms of isolating Osiris Torrance, rewatching the game, I was impressed. I thought, you know, he anchored really well and he was consistent. He was steady. He was a lot steadier than Brown, who was playing right next to him. Connor McGovern had, you know, some some good moments and some some not so good moments. He looked overmatched at times, but otherwise I thought, you know, of the group, Brown was the liability. And I don't think anybody is surprised by that after his training camp and preseason and some of the issues he had last season. I do think this this group, as I mentioned in talking about Josh Allen, there were times that Josh Allen could help them too get rid of the ball quicker, read the defense a little bit better, be a little bit more decisive as a runner. And so that's going to be a tough topic because, you know, as the coaching staff is telling him, don't run the ball or, or, you know, don't put your body at risk. You don't want that to mess with Josh Allen's instincts as a runner because the conviction he has when he runs the ball is part of what makes him so good at it. And it's part of what helps the offensive line in a lot of cases. He can escape pressure and create a big gain, but the Jets did a really good job of closing up some running lanes on him and making sure that he didn't get big plays. And I think that took him out of rhythm a little bit. It made him not really trust anything that was happening around him, the blocking, the receivers getting open, his own reads. And so I came away from rewatching the game, not as worried about the offensive line 
concern level isn't majorly high outside of Spencer Brown because it was a problem going into the season and he didn't do anything until he silences those problems with consistent game to game play. It's going to continue to be a spotlight. I think a lot of fans will be watching Spencer Brown and it's He's going to see some really good pass rushers. When you're a tackle, that's what happens. And I think that's going to be a storyline moving forward for this team. Third takeaway for me is going to be the pass rush. We've gotten into a couple of concerning elements for Monday night. Let's get to a bright spot for this team. The pass rush was amazing. Now, Aaron Rodgers goes down four plays into the game. And you have Zach Wilson stepping in. Zach Wilson, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's he's not even close. And one of Zach Wilson's biggest weaknesses as a quarterback is that he holds on to the football too long. He there could be a number of reasons why he does this, but it's probably it's one of his worst habits, and it probably has something to do with the speed at which he processes what he's seeing in coverage. So a prime opportunity for the Bills. Now, granted, did they get a bunch of sacks on Zach Wilson? No, they did not. He was sacked twice for for 13 yards. He also only attempted 21 passes. So there weren't a ton of opportunities. But here's the stat that jumps out to me. All three of Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, and Leonard Floyd we're in the top five of Pro Football Focus's pass pressure percentage, which takes the amount of times you rush the passer and divides it by the amount of pressure you got. All three of them were in the top five in the league in week one. Ed Oliver had six pressures. Greg Rousseau and Leonard Floyd had five each. They were all fantastic. And if they are all that good, look, it's the Jets. It's Zach Wilson. Like I said, he, he holds the ball too long. Uh, this was... An easier matchup, I think, for Buffalo's defense. Playing with a lead for a lot of the time. The Jet offensive line, I don't think, is a particularly bad unit. I don't know if it's the you know one of the best in football. Time will tell. But the plus part of this matchup for the pass rush was Zach Wilson replacing Aaron Rodgers and how long he holds on to the ball. But super promising performance from Greg Rousseau. I wrote about Greg Rousseau heading into week one. Guys in the locker room are bullish about this guy that had he not gotten hurt last season with the high ankle sprain and had to to fight through that, he would have been a 10-sack guy with ease. As it is, he got eight sacks. Uh, he was a, a top 14 pass rusher in pressure percentage last season among guys who had 200 pass rushing snaps. So... The production has already been there, both in the sack metrics and the underlying metrics. He just looked, he looked great. He's healthy, he's stronger, he's fresh. The fact that the Bills pass rush was that good without Von Miller, it validates the decision, a few decisions by Brandon Bean. One, to keep Von Miller on the PUP. I know Von Miller wants to play, but... Patience with a 34-year-old coming off a torn ACL is the right move. It's especially the right move when you go out and get a guy like Leonard Floyd. And I didn't know what to expect 
from Leonard Floyd. His career has been a bit of a mixed bag, depending on where he's been, but he looks like the real deal, like a good fit in this defense. And even at 31, he's got a lot of juice and he's the one who hurt Aaron Rodgers on that play, got in the backfield for that pressure. He's just got the right blend of explosiveness, but the instincts to finish plays. And that's what I like about him because with only two sacks, I think that's the next step for this pass rush. There's pressure and then there's putting the quarterback on the ground. And those are the the plays that can really change games. So I think two sacks, I I think that number is going to go up in a lot of games because what I noticed about all three of these guys when I was rewatching the game is that they have the ability to win their one-on-one matchups quickly. They are they are really, you know, these aren't pressures where Zach Wilson is holding onto the ball forever. You know, these guys can get off their blocks in a hurry and they are really explosive off the snap. So they look like, you know, I don't know that there was a huge question mark about all these guys, but there were some people wondering whether Ed Oliver's contract was worth it. And hey, that's still going to be something that Ed Oliver has to prove throughout the course of a season. But Greg Rousseau entering a third season, waiting to have that breakout year as a, as a first-round pick, as a pass rusher uh, drafted in the first round, they're waiting for, for the big return on investment there. And Leonard Floyd, you know, he's a big name. And a guy that has played in big games who brings a lot to this group. So to see them working so well together and being such a big part of what made the defense successful, I think is is a really nice sign for the Bills. And, you know, I think it's probably going to be the strength of their defense this year. There's going to be questions about Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer at this stage in the, their career. Can they maintain that elite level of play that has made them arguably the best safety tandem in the NFL over the last five years, or will there be some drop-off? Replacing Tremaine Edmonds, will that be as big a problem as as some think it is? You know, there's there's moving pieces to this defense, but if you have a pass rush, that's been the piece that the Bills have, it feels like they've been missing at times during this window of contention that they've had. If they have a pass rush with these three guys, man, look out. I, I think... That can cover up a lot of other problems you have while you figure out the second and third level of your defense. This was a great game for the defense. They had a tough drive against Zach Wilson, where he found, you know, on that game tying drive, he found a soft spot in coverage a couple of times. Jordan Poyer was the closest defender both times, but it was uh, really more about finding a, a soft spot in coverage. And then he made a throw to Garrett Wilson that, frankly, it was an incredible catch. I thought it was great coverage by Tredavious White, and and Wilson made a heck of a play. So that was the extent of you know the defense's shortcomings when they were playing on a few short fields. Thanks to thanks to Josh Allen, you know. That's about all you can ask for out of the defense. Would you like a better drive at the end of the game? Sure, but to only allow 16 points because the final six came on a punt return touchdown, 
I think that's a pretty strong first night and a, and a good first night for Sean McDermott as a play caller, which will lead us into point number four. And I'm sure some of you had had you know, took some issue with with my suggestion that Sean McDermott should have been a bit more aggressive in this game. The point I was trying to make there, and of course, Josh Allen was more to blame in this game. The turnovers were the bigger problem, 100%, full stop, no question about it. With Tim Graham handling that column after the game, I wanted to explore the repercussions of an early decision Sean McDermott made. Third and 15, the Bills dumped the ball off to Damian Harris to set up a fourth and two from the Jets' 22-yard line. This is the first quarter. This is moments after the first drive after Aaron Rodgers went down. And being in that building, it was it completely deflated the building. It was a great atmosphere pregame, leading up. All the hype was building to this moment, and Aaron Rodgers goes down four plays into the game. Jets players are admitting that they're reeling on the sideline. It's a roller coaster of emotions. They're wondering what's going on with their quarterback while he's in the tent. They're bringing a card over. This is a vulnerable Jets team in this moment. There's no way around it. And Sean McDermott, over the last few years, has made progress in being an aggressive decision maker when it comes to fourth down. Football Outsiders has their aggressiveness index, and he's been top 15 at times, top 10 at times. He is willing to go for it. He trusts, especially when they had, you know, they've had one of the best offenses in football. They have one of the best quarterbacks. They have a quarterback who's kind of a cheat code in short yardage situations. Sean McDermott had the mindset, which I think is logical, that Zach Wilson comes into the game and you start thinking against a top defense like the Jets, you don't need that many points to beat Zach Wilson. That is probably true, frankly. Would have been true on Monday night had Josh Allen not turned the football over four times, which is why I say, That is a bigger problem than any decisions uh, made here. But to me, that was an opportunity to really put the Jets on their heels. They're already feeling like the game is going to get away from them without Aaron Rodgers. Their season is probably going to get away from them without Aaron Rodgers. Run Josh Allen on a sneak. Give it to one of the the powerful backs you signed in the offseason. Try to get a touchdown and get that seven-point lead. Because if you go up 7 nothing that early on Zach Wilson, that changes how they handle that next drive. Maybe he's, he's pressing all that much more. It changes the whole dynamic of the game. It might even give Josh Allen a little bit of that swagger that he was missing to say, yes, coach knows we can get this. We know we can get this. Put the game in the hands of your best players. And as the game unfolded, I thought back to that moment thinking, man, they cannot find that confidence. That could have been a moment. And it feels like a lack of trust to go that route, to kick the field goal. Sean McDermott played the starters in the preseason, played them a couple times thinking that they needed the reps. They they didn't look good as an offense against the Bengals in the playoff loss. They didn't look that great 
against the Dolphins the week before in a, in a narrow playoff win against the Dolphins. So why not, you know, set the tone and and try to give them give them a chance. The other decision which I think is this one was a little bit different. Two penalties. The Jets have a third down and they take two penalties on the play, one being an offensive pass interference. They're at their They're at the Bills' 25-yard line. If the Bills accept one of the penalties, the Jets will have a third and very long from the 35. And the Bills chose to decline the penalties, giving the Jets a fourth down and long from the 25, basically forcing a field goal attempt, a makeable one for Greg Zerline, and he made it. That, again, felt like a moment where Sean McDermott could have given his defense a chance to push the Jets out of field goal range. Greg Zerline does have a very strong leg, obviously. He is likely to make a 50-ish yard field goal from the 30, you know, if the ball is snapped at the 35-yard line. It's still a more difficult field goal. Now, yes, do the Jets have a chance to make a big play on a third and long? Sure. But your defense against Zach Wilson in third and very long, there are some good outcomes for your defense in that situation. You could get a sack. He could fumble. He could throw an interception. You could push them out of field goal range. A lot of good outcomes there that I think were left on the table. And that one was almost more surprising to me, even though the I would if if I could have picked one moment to be aggressive, it would have been the fourth and two. That one was a little surprising to me because. Sean McDermott is a, known as an aggressive defensive play caller. And if there's anything that he feels confident about, it's his his defense. So that one was another moment where I thought a little bit of a missed opportunity. And in a game where the margins were thin, three points here and there really mattered. And game ends up going to overtime. And, you know, you, you let the Jets hang around like that. You're inviting weird things to happen. and a weird thing happened with a punt return. Uh, so the reason I, I bring that up is because is less so because that was the reason they lost. Obviously, Josh Allen's turnovers, inability to take care of the football is the reason that they lost. But there's no doubt that that will be a factor going forward for the Bills. How aggressive is Sean McDermott willing to be? As we As a lot of people wonder, has Josh Allen gotten into some of his old habits? I wonder the same about Sean McDermott, who has made some, you know, questionable decisions in this regard in the past. So is that going to be a pattern or was it a product of the game script, who they were playing against, the quarterback they were playing against? I, I guess we'll see, because I do think he has grown in this area to be more aggressive when he had an elite off when he has once they had an elite offense, Sean McDermott became a more aggressive coach. So I think there's plenty of reason to think that he will still be that way, but he needs to trust his quarterback. And it, it it's not easy to do after, you know, the game that he had on Monday, but you know, that's the guy that that's going to get you where you want to go. If you're, if you're going to go deep into the playoffs, it's going to be because of Josh Allen in this offense. So takeaway number five, Christian Benford had a great game. Uh, I thought the play that he made, to chase down Brees Hall and save four points was huge. 
huge. And the fact that he played 100% of the snaps and that Dane Jackson did not play at all on defense, Kair Elam was a healthy scratch, tells me that they're ready to finally have some stability at that outside corner spot as long as Christian Benford continues to play this way. So I liked the game that Christian Benford played, and it ties into the whole defense as they go into a game against the Las Vegas Raiders where you have to feel pretty good about the Bills' defense coming out and playing the way that it did. You know, I thought Terrell Bernard was was pretty good at middle linebacker, and I thought Benford, who was a big question mark, you know, getting this start, this was a competition all camp. Would he rotate? this To give him that opportunity to play like that, I thought was was very encouraging. And they have needed, much like the pass rush, I've felt for a long time that they've needed some stability at that outside corner spot. And so if they have that, I think that's that's a pretty big deal. And I think the Bills are also now in a spot where they have a nice get-right game against the Las Vegas Raiders. They're not a pushover opponent by any means, but the Bills opened as nine and a half point favorites. I believe the spread last I checked is eight and a half. Playing at home, home opener, Sunday one o'clock, usual routine. This feels like a spot. Look, I know the panic meter was was high after Monday night, rightfully so. An ugly way to lose against a division opponent on the big stage. It's easy to hit the panic button. I would hold off doing so until Sunday. You know, I think against the Raiders at home, if you lose that game, then then it's really time to be concerned. It's not that the Raiders are the worst team in the NFL, but the Bills match up very nicely on paper. So I think this is a game where Josh Allen and the offense can get going. And we'll see what happens. So going forward, like I said, we'll have you know more immediate podcasts after the game, some live rooms. I'll probably rope Tim Graham into doing this as well over the next few weeks while Joe is out. Uh, we'll all be thinking of, of, of Joe and, and his family during this exciting time as we await the good news. And hopefully there's more good news for Bills fans over the weekend uh, as they have a bit of an easier matchup against against the Raiders at home. I will talk to you all after the game and be sure to tune in to The Athletic where we still have our end of summer sale going on to read everything that, that Tim Graham and I are writing about the Bills, the Sabres startup rookie camp this week. So I'll be out at the rink as well for some prospect challenge games. It's going to be a busy week sports in Buffalo and we'll have you covered with all of it on The Athletic. Look forward to talking to you guys after the Raiders game. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.